this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing. I'm your host, Erin Marlowe, and each week I'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture, primarily from a female perspective. You'll find everything from fanfic, to cosplay, to Schitt's Creek, to Supernatural, and everything in between. So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. just wanted to give a quick trigger warning for this episode. We do talk quite a bit about um, sexual assault, sexual harassment, gaslighting, um, physical and mental abuse. So if that is at all triggering for you, you might want to at least skip ahead to about the 25-ish mark or so. Uh, But thank you so much for listening and please take care of yourself. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to It's a Fandom Thing, and welcome to this week's Pop Culture and Fandom News episode. And today, it is just me and Carla, my beautiful co-host for the next, like, 10,000 weeks. (laughs) You're welcome, audience. Hey, it is is a gift. It is a gift. And speaking of Carla, I'm going to announce this really quickly here, and I'm going to announce it on our next episode as well. We are introducing a brand new thing to the podcast. It was Carla's idea. So we're going to do an awards show. So pretty soon you will know our nominees for it's basically it's a podcast award. So for like 2022, like our episodes and stuff we did on the podcast and panelists and all of that. So pretty soon we are going to have our nominees announced. They're going to be announced next Monday, Tuesday, excuse me, the 17th at uh, it's. I should know this off the top of my head, but at 6.30, I believe it's 6.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. I will edit this if this is incorrect, and we'll announce those then. And if you are listening to this uh, before the 14th, and you want to have a say in who those nominees are, as one of our new perks for Patreon members, for as little as $3 a month you can join, you can help decide who the nominees are. So... And I know that it's been difficult for some patrons to decide on panelists because they want to choose everybody. (laughs) But you do have to choose one and we'll announce the five nominees and such. And then we'll have the awards show in February. And then also speaking of Patreon, we are going to be doing an upcoming episode on the Winchesters. That's what my patrons decided I needed to watch. So that will be released on Monday, the 23rd. I am going to release a little preview clip But if you want to hear the full episode, once again, for as little as $3 a month, click the link in the show notes, head on over there, and join Patreon. Okay, so once again, this is our brand new thing. We're adding a third little segment here of some fandom news, some fandom stuff, actually, not really news, but like a fandom topic kind of thing that I wanted to discuss. So that'll be the third thing. You'll hear what it is shortly. But first, 
what I want to know from you, Carla, from you, Carla, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Explain yourself. I should have a segment on here called Explain Yourself. Explain Yourself. <laughs> I do that. Um, so, Carla, explain what you're into this pop culture. Gladly, Erin. I am happy to announce that what I'm into right now in pop culture is rage-quitting Married at First Sight. That's right. You heard it here first. I I did my best trying to watch this absolute crap show of a of a program. And I was like, after the first season, I was optimistic because they had two couples that managed to stay together for a while. One of them managed to make it five years. The other one is apparently still together. I'm like, oh, this is lovely. I love love. I love you know, things with happy endings. And then everything after that, it's a dumpster fire. I I finished after season, uh, I finished season four. I'm angry at basically all the men on the show. <laughs> they all suck. <laughs> I want to especially point out Derek. Here's the, the thing that bothers me the most about Married at First Sight. It is all of the ways in which these supposed experts constantly make men's issues women's fault there are so many instances in which the the husband is dismissive verbally borderline abusive if not actually abusive they call these women names they are short and patient and uh they gaslight them in some cases and then they turn to the woman and they're like, well, why can't you just be more patient with him? You know, he's a good guy deep down inside. We match you for a reason. You know, like they have such, I feel like the, these experts have such egos and that that's why they have a hard time understanding when these women are, are you know, upset. And then they'll, they'll go to the woman. They're like, you know, just they point out the guy's good qualities. It's like, can't you try to make it work? Can't you just look past it? And more often than not, the women are like, okay, I'll try. And in this season, season four, I'm sorry to spoil season four from 2016 for anybody who is looking to, <laughs> to catch up on Mary at first sight. Heather, one of the, the wives, she ended the marriage two weeks in. And I was cheering so hard for her. I was very proud of her for doing that. Against all of this extraordinary pressure from all of these people telling her, you know, like, maybe you're being too... Um, what's the word that they kept bringing up that, that, that she's, that she's not giving him enough of a chance. And the thing with this guy is that they're on their honeymoon and she complains about his smoking because she had specifically said that she didn't want to be married to somebody who smokes. They set her up with somebody who has been smoking every day of their honeymoon. So she brings it up and he has a hissy fit. He storms off. And later on they, uh, they, they they sit down to have a civil discussion about it and he goes off on her and says well you've been drinking every day of this honeymoon I didn't expect him to set me up with an alcoholic Whoa. And yeah yeah and then she you know they have a, a quick intervention with one of the experts the next day they go to learn surfing together and they're having a great time and the surfing instructor grabs Heather's hand to help her not fall into the ocean 
And he brings it up later. Like, I can't believe that this woman is being so cold to me. She she hasn't held my hand and yet she holds this this guy's hand. And she's like, he was trying to keep him from falling. It wasn't like, you know, like whatever. Oh, and then what about rubbing his chest? I flicked a bug off his chest. So there, and this is just like in the first three days of, of, of her knowing this guy. So she puts up with him for a few days and she's like, I can't do this anymore. And she bails. And I was like, good for you. Because I feel like not enough of these women are given the, um, not even the permission, but just the agency to stand up for themselves. And that was a problem in, I think it was season two with Jessica and uh, I think Ryan, who ended up stalking her and threatening to kill her and her family. And all the, and the the stalking and, and um, threats happened after, but during the show when he was showing signs of being an abuser, they were like, he's such a nice guy though, you know, if you just give him a chance. And all the while he's yelling at her and insulting her. And they're like, but is there something that maybe you could be doing better? So, you know, it, it really has been bothering me so much that I just can't keep watching it. I don't know if it gets better. I don't care. I'm I'm done with this franchise. Like I, I really hope that with the change in experts that, that, that there was in season four, that things would improve, but no. So for that reason, I'm out. Well, that's a very good reason. And that actually segues really nicely what you were talking about into what I'm into this week. But I do have some caveats about this that I'm going to express. But the movie She Said is available now on Peacock. This movie is about the New York Times reporters Megan Toohey and Jody Cantor, who broke um, the story about Harvey Weinstein and everything. And that really that helped take down Harvey Weinstein and everything. And it's very good. It's very well done. It uh, I do want to say it's incredibly triggering. They do not show any sexual assault or sexual harassment. They kind of show like little vignettes, but you never see that, that you're mainly seeing the women. But they talk about this stuff very, very graphically. And you also have a lot of people talking about how many people covered for Harvey Weinstein and the system, the Hollywood system. So if you've ever been a victim of any sexual harassment, sexual assault, anything like that, it could be incredibly triggering. So just a heads up on that. Uh, but it does star Zoe Kazan as Jodie Cantor and Carrie Mulligan as Megan Toohey. And they're both fantastic. Uh, everybody knows that I was singing the praises of Carrie Mulligan a couple of years ago for another movie that's kind of in the same brain, of course, Promising Young Woman. But I do want to make a couple of points about this. And oh, oh, I did want to point out this is directed by a woman, which is, I think, essential in this movie, uh, directed by Maria Schrader and then uh, the writers Rebecca Linkowitz. And so once again, it's essential that this was written and directed by women. I think because um, that explains why in this movie, the two female reporters are both married. Carrie Mulligan's character is, uh, she broke a story about Trump and she was pregnant at the time and got this horrible death threat and all this stuff. And she's also dealing with uh, postpartum depression when they're talking about Weinstein and all this stuff. And and then um, Zoe Kazan's character has like a couple of kids too. and. What I thought was so great in this movie, and you would normally see this in other movies, you'd see it done differently, is there was never a moment in time 
when the men went, you need to be here more for the family because you kept seeing instances where they would be in bed sleeping and they'd get a call. They'd be with their kids. They'd get a call. They'd be leaving like they left the country even at one point. But never once did they show a man asking the woman to stay and take care of their kids. And that was so refreshing to see, I have to say, because it wasn't like- That's pretty amazing. Yeah. It was, I, was, I kept waiting for it. I was like, any minute now, one of these men is going to get so frustrated and fed up with this and they're going to say something. And it was just great that it didn't happen. And, you know, and I also thought they'd put it in there as kind of like a mirror reflection of all the other stuff they're dealing with. But I think why they didn't put it in there is it would have been a distraction. It wasn't needed. It would have detracted from the story. And a lot of what they're doing was also for the for their own children in a lot of respects. So, you know, um, but it, like I said, it's heavy to watch. But the things I want to point out is uh, at the end of the movie, you know, they say that this kicked off a huge movement. Well, I think it's always, always, always essential to point out that the Me Too movement did not start here. The Me Too movement started in 2006 by Tarana Burke, who is a black woman. So it's very, very, and she started the hashtag Me Too. So it's very essential that we say that whenever you're talking about these because she never gets the credit that she deserves. And then the other thing that I, I think is very important to point out with this is this was produced um, in part by Brad Pitt. And the reason I am pointing this out is Brad Pitt has been accused by ex-wife Angelina Jolie of being verbally and physically um, abusive to her and her children. And I know people are like, you know, because this stuff just recently came out, but this didn't just come out. I want to stress that because when Angelina Jolie filed for divorce, it was coming out then. She wasn't like trying to make this big, huge media thing on it, but it was did come out then. People never, ever took her side because they view, a lot of people view Angelina Jolie as the person who took Brad Pitt from Jennifer Aniston still. So they view her as like a homewrecker and don't view her with any kind of respect. But recently, because of something she had to do, those files were released and people are like, well, why'd she wait so long? There's no this. This was dismissed because of this. <sighs> All that crap. So it really, to me, is troubling that an accused abuser is a producer on a movie about one of the worst abusers in Hollywood and ever. So that is highly, highly disturbing and needs to be talked about too, because I don't know if there was, there's a part of me that thinks honestly that he did this as a way of covering his own ass and not just with the Angelina Jolie thing, but with the Angelina Jolie thing, thing in another respect. Angelina Jolie also spoke out about Harvey Weinstein. And in this article from IndieWire, she, Angelina Jolie, you know, she was up for a part in the movie The Aviator, which was a Martin Scorsese picture, but it was being produced by the Weinstein company. And after an experience with Harvey, um, a, you know, a sexual harassment experience, a very uncomfortable experience with him, she refused to do it. She told her then husband, Johnny Lee Miller, about it. And she's like, he was amazing, great, stood by me, was just a great person. And he told, and she's like, tell every female actress that you know not to, you know, to avoid him. He did that, great thing. 
Well, um, Brad Pitt knew about this. And Brad Pitt probably knew about this with Gwyneth Paltrow, too. Let's be honest. And he still worked with Harvey Weinstein. And Angelina Jolie did not want him to do that. And so that's another reason. It's kind of like he's like, I know I'm part of the problem. But if I produce this movie, people will think I've learned. I've grown. So I am not part of the problem. But you are part of the problem. You just are. And it's just really troubling to me. It just It's the, the redemption tour thing that that terrible men do that they can get away with so often where they do one marginally good thing and then they pat themselves on the back about it and they encourage everybody else to pat them on the back about it. And then they want to center that and nothing else. They they don't really address their role in these toxic environments. They don't really take responsibility for anything. They don't take accountability for anything. They just do this, put it in everybody's faces and like, see what a good guy I am. Mm -hmm. And it happens constantly. Like every single person, every single man who has been uh, accused of impropriety, of assault, of everything under the sun, they, you know, the, the, the cycle is deny, soft admit, Take a step back, come back and do something behind the scenes, like executive produce or, you know, uh, whatever, and then reap the glory that comes from that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's it's so it's it's just in this, you know, this instance is so disturbing because of the fact that he knew he flipping knew what this man did and he still worked with him. And it was someone who was the mother of his children. And it's like no respect at all, at all. That's like totally like spitting on someone that you're supposed to love. Yeah. It's yeah, it's it's awful. Like what what kind of partnership is that? What kind of allyship is that? It's it's just absolutely disgusting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and there have been others like, you know, Uma Thurman had some horrible experiences and and Ethan Hawke was the exact opposite of Brad Pitt. And so you will have instances where a man, you know, stands up for their partner. And I'm not going to say is a man. I don't I don't like that phrasing necessarily. It's just more they're they're being a human being and they're caring for their their spouse. But I did want to point out something that from this article, this IndieWire article, because I think this is very important. This is kind of going back to the she said thing. I think a lot of women are of the belief that and 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 men too and non-binary when when you're in a situation where you have something happen to you sexual harassment or something that feels uncomfortable and if there's no actual like um physical thing that happens or like there isn't the actual assault assault that happens i think sometimes women think they weren't assaulted or they weren't harassed or they weren't a victim and angelina jolie said in this article what i think this is something we should all remember if you get yourself out of the room, you think he attempted but didn't, right? The truth is that the attempt and the experience of the attempt is an assault. And I think that is something that I think a lot of the victims of Harvey Weinstein, when you watch this movie, weren't really thinking of. They were blaming themselves so much because they were young and in this hotel room of this powerful man and... They thought, well, this is oh, 
if I do this, even though I hate it, I don't want to do it. It's not the same as doing this. And it's not, and it doesn't mean that something horrible happened to me. It means that I, it's my fault. And a lot of these women blame themselves. And so I think that quote is so essential to remember because if something happens to you, you know, it, you can't, we can't quantify a level of that abuse. If it affects you in a specific way, it affects you. If you were abused, you were abused. So, right. Yeah. And no matter what, it stays with you. It affects you. Mm-hmm. It changes how you perceive yourself, how you see other people, how you see your experiences moving forward from that. And again, the, the self-blame is, it's so um, pervasive in part because society has trained us to say that, well, if this happened to you, like, what did you do to provoke it? You know, like, why did you mm-hmm. put yourself in this situation? The, the amount of times that it's like, well, why did you go to his hotel room? At no point does going to somebody's hotel room indicate consent for anything other than walking into a room. Exactly. It doesn't mean anything other than I'm going to walk into this room. That's it. Anything beyond that requires additional enthusiastic consent. Yeah. And and also, you know, whenever you say that, it's like saying men cannot control themselves. It's like (laughs) men have no control. It's, you know, it's so ridiculous to me. And, you know, there is a scene in this movie where they're in where this white man, I can't remember who, what his name was. Uh, was talking to the reporters and um, he works with news medias and stuff, media organizations. He said, you know, it's just Harvey's from this time when men are just now, you know, when oh. men did this kind of, and I'm like, seriously, it's like men are just starting to learn now not to do this stuff, that this is not stuff you should do. I'm like, <laughs> that is, that is one of the worst excuses ever because even if you are from, you know, from the from the before times, it doesn't. It, it was never okay Mm-mm. to do those things back then. Just because it wasn't talked about so openly, just because it wasn't brought to the forefront so much, and there wasn't so much support behind accusers, it didn't mean that the accused were okay in what they were doing. It just meant that they had more um, support that they didn't that they shouldn't have had. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's just, so parts of the movie will infuriate you too. <laughs> and then when you get to those credits and, and you see that name, that that infuriated me. So I wanted to make sure to bring that up. But please, please, anybody out there who has been in that situation, please remember that Angelina Jolie quote. Because just remember, you, the attempt is an assault. So just remember that. I so thank you for saying that, Angelina, by the way. So uh, thank you. One of my, my, my uh, early 20s celebrity crushes. <laughs> I was obsessed with Angelina Jolie in a, in a healthy way. Okay. <laughs> in a healthy way. I'm glad that you clarified, Aaron. Thank you so much. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mm -hmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Now maybe this will be more upbeat. This is going to be a heavier <laughs> episode than our last one, I can already tell. But um, I want to know, what is is there something in pop culture or fandom that you're excited about, upset about right now? I, okay, so this comes with a confession. All right. Now, I want to start off by saying that I am firmly against propaganda. I think it is one of the greatest evils in society that it continues mm -hmm. to be uh, so widely supported that, that the police system, that the policing system, that the supposed justice system and all of its flaws continues to be uh just so whitewashed on television, not just in the sense of so many white characters, but also in the sense of portraying police as the absolute good guys and that they, they're only there to make a difference. And they're not a single one of them is really all that bad. If you really get into it, that said, I have to admit that I have been keeping up with the show The Rookie. That's the show that's led by Nathan Fillion, who I'm, I recently found out is apparently kind of a jerk. Yeah. And that was incredibly disappointing because, mm -hmm. I mean, he has been in so many shows that I've loved, but I'm done with him. However, on the show, there are two characters, Lucy Chen and Tim Bradford, who, um, and okay, listen, it's not really a spoiler because it is absolutely everywhere. They are a big ship on the show. They are like the biggest ship on the show. And after five years, they finally shared a smooch. And it was lovely and wonderful. And I'm incredibly excited about it. I haven't read fan fiction of anything for a long time. I've been like devouring fan fiction for this ship called Chenford. And like what drew me to to stay with the show is Lucy herself. Lucy is wonderful and, and um, a very loving, kind, wonderful person. Exactly what you want to have in a, in your, in your propaganda. Unfortunately, both she and the actor who plays um, Tim Bradford, Eric Winters are incredibly attractive. Melissa O'Neill and Eric Winters are just very attractive people. And um, yeah, so I've been looking at a lot of GIFs, TikToks, vids about this ship and yeah i am absolute trash i'm sorry to <laughs> confess to you listeners that i carla temis am an absolute dumpster fire trash hole <laughs> who is going straight to fandom hell but that is what i'm excited about i'm excited about shenford awesome yeah i know very little about this show i know when i was at san diego comic-con this was one of the instances where people got really pissed because uh, they were supposed to, they were going to have a big panel for the rookie. Well, the panel was all done over like a zoom. So like, <laughs> Oh no. People, 
furious. I didn't attend that one, but people were furious, I guess. So like, listen, I don't even care about, about panels, but if I had been looking forward to one and they're like, oh, it's going to be a Zoom, I would be, I would riot. I, I wouldn't actually riot, okay? Like, don't send the police after me. <laughs> well, I think they should have told people because a lot of a lot of stuff, I think, because the, they also had like the Abbott Elementary panel was also Zoom and, and stuff. But they're on set, so I understand. They don't, even though San Diego was like, you know, you had to show proof of your vaccination. You know, you had to wear a mask all the time. And they were like, they had people, uh, uh, you know, and if it wasn't covering your nose and stuff. And so, you know, you had to, when you were interviewing them, you had to keep your mask on the whole time. So they were good about that, but it doesn't mean you can't still get it. And so it costs millions of dollars to shut down a production. So of course they're, you know, with things that are in production, you know, like Abbott Elementary, they were like, they, cause I watched that panel and they were zooming in from the set. So if one of them were to get sick, it would have been awful. So I understand that. I think more what I thought was bad was they didn't tell people until the day of. It's like you're trying to get people excited. Typical propaganda show with a lack of transparency and the obfuscation of the truth. <laughs> that just figures. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It was it was sad hearing that about Nathan Fillion too on that. Um that, yeah, uh, yeah. That's that's too bad. I hate it when the people that you really love turn out to Yeah, to be scummy scummy scumbags. Yeah, yeah, that's sad. We'll have to do an episode on that sometime. <laughs> <laughs> Who has disappointed you the most? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and one of those will be coming up here soon when we're talking about something else. <laughs> Well, what I'm excited about, once again, it's a trailer. I It was so hard to choose because there were like three amazing trailers that came out this past week. So I'm going to go with, I'm still trying to decide as you can tell. Okay, well, I'm going to I'm gonna go with, with Evil Dead Rise. So that is a new Evil Dead movie that's coming out. The trailer looks absolutely fantastic. This is more in the Evil Dead world that the remake of Evil Dead is in. So it's produced by Bruce Campbell, but Bruce Campbell isn't in this movie, just to make sure people know that. Um, he is very supportive of the movie, obviously, but he's not in it. Uh, but this looks insane. I mean, and I, it look, it's, excuse me, it looks intense. It looks kind of freaky and very gory, like extremely gory and creepy. And I sent the trailer to my sister <laughs> and my sister was just said, no, thank you. <laughs> and I'm like, so you don't want to go see this with me. She's like, she's basically, I've learned my lesson because, you know, she's like bones and all with me and barbarian. And she's like, you see the weirdest movie. She will never go to the theater with you ever again. After 2022, she's done. I know. Although she did say, let's go see Megan. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, this is your okay. idea. <laughs> um, yeah, it's supposed to be good, though, and I want to see it. But like, <laughs> like, just remember, it's your idea, not mine. So you can't be like, oh, every time. <laughs> but anyway, so I'm very, very excited about that. It looks like it might be another great year for horror. So I am thrilled to watch that one. Um, yeah. So, and I think that one comes out in April, I believe. So, but yeah, go watch that trailer. It is spooky. It is very bloody. 
<laughs> we have it on our Instagram and stuff, so go watch it there. But I'm I'm super, super excited about that. I don't have much to say about it other than that. So. <laughs> okay, so now a topic I wanted to talk about. This past week, there were a couple of horrible accidents and um, stuff that happened to a couple of celebrities. And yes, I do consider big football stars are celebrities. Um, so football star Damar Hamlin, who plays for the Buffalo Bills, he collapsed on the field. He had a cardiac arrest. He was, I guess, I didn't see it, but another, because I don't watch football, but another player like uh, slammed into him really hard on his chest. And he took a few steps, I guess, and then collapsed. And so he was rushed to the hospital. I was trying to see the latest news. I think he's still in critical condition from what I, my understanding is. he uh, He's awake. He's responsive. The neurologists have said that his um, mental function is intact. Uh, they, he, he's been able to, to talk to, you know, family and um, doctors. He had a, uh, he, he joined his team in a meeting um, by video call and he seems to be well on the road to, to recovery. That's good. That's good news. Cause that, I mean, that's freaky and you know, I mean, there's lots of discussion on how dangerous football is anyway to, uh, to a human body. So yeah, you know, there's also that part too. And he's 24 years old. I mean, not that there's any good age to be smacked in the chest but and then to collapse still, but at 24 years old, when you're, you know, like in, in, the 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 middle of your career it, it's got to be harrowing yeah so young and yeah and then the other accident that happened was to jeremy renner people know i am not a fan of jeremy renner used to be we're not going to get into that part of that i just um he was in a snow plow accident he was helping um a friend actually i believe it actually is a, a relative but helping them uh with their car getting stuck he um, I mean, they even had to put a tourniquet on him. It was like, it, it, you know, horrible, horrible accident. He was in critical but stable condition. He has since made videos for his fans saying he's okay. He's recovering. He's still in um, critical condition, which, you know, what's so interesting is I want to say, because you, you, when this stuff happens, you get all these quote unquote medical experts and people saying, well, you can't be stable and in critical condition. And all these other people that worked in medical bill is like, uh, yeah, you can. It just means it's not gotten worse. You're still, in, but you're stable at the moment. So honestly, armchair physicians are I the know. worst. Oh my God. Like shut your mouth uh, I and I'm going to take your phone away is what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm gonna come to your house. I'm not. I'm not here for your guns. I'm here for your phone. <laughs> I Why I bring this up is both of these incid incidences have brought up what you'll see a lot, where fans feel like they have a right to know everything going on with their favorite celebrity. And you'll have people like within the in the case of Demar, you had people speculating that it was because he got the vaccine, <laughs> and that's why this happened. In the case of Jeremy, you'll have people be you had people be like, "Well, why why would a snowplow do this? Why would that happen? There has to be something else. Was he drunk? Was this this?" So you have all of these things happen, and they want and people instantly say, "I want to know more." 
What exactly happened? Detail everything for me. And oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so sad. I'm not saying you can't be sad about this stuff. It just feels like, once again, some fans feel like they have ownership of these people. And so they have a right to know everything that goes on. And yes, when you are a celebrity, when you're in the public eye like that, you do sadly lose a little bit of your privacy, but that doesn't mean you aren't, you don't deserve privacy. It just means you lose some of that. So I just wanted to know, because I, I, I know the answer, I think, already to this question, Carla, but do you think we as fans are owed, like, I mean, the fact that Jeremy Renner recorded like a video for his fans and stuff, like, mm -hmm. do you think we are owed that kind of stuff? What I think is that it's natural to be curious. Mm -hmm. Curiosity is fine. You you can wonder about stuff all you want, but you're not entitled to anybody's personal and especially medical information. Just it, you're not entitled to it. If they choose to update you like Jeremy Renner did, then that's one thing. But you're not entitled to demand that further information be released. You're not entitled to ask to see medical documents to demand that, um, that, you know, police reports be explained to you pertaining to whatever incident happened. It's simply not your business. Just shut your mouth and wait for, for whatever update they are willing to release. It, this is all part of the, the whole paras parasocial relationship issue that while some parts of it may be benign, parts like th like these are just intrusive and and not okay. You know, you don't own a celebrity just because you see them on a screen. And even if they make themselves very accessible, if they constantly, you know, tweet and, and uh, do lives and whatever, it doesn't mean that you're entitled to whatever information they're not willing to share with you. Just, you know, whatever they decide they want to put out there, that's what you get. And you can have a hissy fit about it privately, but you don't get to, you certainly don't get to like put it in their face. Like don't tag them in your complaints about things. Like, yeah. you know, th that's so disrespectful, especially when they're going through something so difficult. You know, it, it's, you don't think that they have enough going on in their lives without you adding stress from, by demanding additional information and explanation. You know, like these people just went through, these horrible incidents, they need the the time and the grace to recover. And you're just being an entitled little jerk. Mm -hmm. So no, Aaron, I don't think people are <laughs> entitled to get this information. I mean, I knew that would be the answer. I'm like, why am I putting this question on here? Because <laughs> the people need to know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because yeah, ditto, basically ditto. I mean, you really, I mean, Yes, you're not entitled to that. And yes, there is that, you know, I mean, I admit I looked up to see what was happening. I Googled to see what was happening with these incidences. So yes, I'm, I did that when a actor, a musician, anyone that I admire and follow and something happens to them. Yes, I do look it up. I will watch things, but I'm not entitled to that because they don't know me and I don't know them. That's the thing is we think we know them, but we don't know them. 
at all. We can't like yeah. sit there and have like an actual conversation with them, like heart to heart. And, and frankly, even if you did know them, not your business. Exactly. Yes. That too. You That's- know, like, okay. Mm-hmm. So like the, the person that you've been, um, I don't know, talking to for five years online suddenly gets ill you're not entitled to their full, full medical medical documentation. You, if you're friends with them, you may be, you know, not only curious, but very concerned from a deep place that comes from actually knowing the person. But that doesn't mean that you can just show up at their doctor's office and demand documentation. I don't know. Oh like, God, I feel like, like people really just get way out of hand when it comes to celebrities and people that they don't even, you know, this this man doesn't know you. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So we are not entitled to that. It's not our right, you know, and, and you know, they, they are human beings. That's the other thing to remember is they are human beings. And so the other question, and I think we already kind of sort of answered, but why do we want to know this stuff? What is it that makes us want to know this? Is it just because we love and admire this person? Or is it that whole thing of when you're driving and you see an accident and everybody stops and looks? It's definitely both because that, um, that uh, what's it called? Rubbernecking. Mm-hmm. Again, it's natural to be curious when something like that happens. And especially when you can find out further information about it, it's natural to seek it out. You know, humans are nosy things. That's just who we are. Um, but as beings of higher intellect, we should be able to, you know what, keep driving. Mm-hmm. You know, like if, 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 if there's an accident on, on the road, you don't think that the person has enough to deal with without like a bunch of randos, not just even looking at them, but like taking pictures and taking video. Yeah. Like get on with your life and let the person have their crisis and dignity. And then there's another phenomenon that, Phenomenon, I think, uh, where because there is such a uh, an uneven relationship with celebrities, where you know so much about them, you're so invested in their career and their lives for some reason, um, you feel like you know them. So, because you don't have that access to information that you would with a with a friend or with a or somebody that's like actually um, known to you in real life it kind of makes you search that much harder because it's like, well, I need to know and I have to find this information. It's like, take a step back. You don't actually need to know. Mm-hmm. You, you'll, you'll be fine. They're the ones dealing with something. Let them deal with it. Let the information come when it comes or if it doesn't, then, you know, get a hobby. <laughs> get like, a hobby. honestly, buy a vibrator. Jesus. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> find better uses for your energy. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it to go the vibrator route, but that's true. <laughs> Sorry, it's just like I was. No. I, I get. I get ads for for. I think it's Bella Boutique. Oh, okay. <laughs> and it's a vibrator company. And like right before we started recording, I was deleting a bunch of emails from them. Of like, so that's you know in the forefront of my mind. Apparently. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think it it is that curiosity. We all have that. We're human beings. We're going to be curious about things. But, you know, there is that line of being, you know, like, uh, let's be decent. And that person that you are, you know, 
digging or trying to find more information about or not respecting their privacy, they might be having the worst time of their life at that moment. And you doing that is only going to make it worse. And they might also be feeling like totally humiliated depending on the situation. And I mean humiliated not because they did something awful, but just humiliated or feeling embarrassed or not wanting to people to see the way they look or something like that. And so you adding on to that or wanting to gawk at that or wanting to take picture of video, which is just, ugh, is just not nice and not good and, and not being a good and respectful fan as well or human being, honestly. So yeah, well, I just wanted to, to mention that. So we will go ahead and close out this episode though. <laughs> and someday maybe we'll talk about that, that further. So, you know, and once again, if there are any topics or any fandom news that comes up during the week and you would like us to possibly comment on it, please shoot me a DM or you can email us or all of that jazz. So Carla from Bedwetter Behead, I, I, I really need to get better at that. I apologize. You know what? Maybe by 2025, it'll be. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. So Carla, where can they find you in your podcast? <laughs> You can find me in my podcast, uh, Bedwetter Behead. You can find the podcast anywhere you get podcasts. You can find us temporarily on Twitter at Bedwet Behead Pod. For the foreseeable future on Instagram at bed.wet.behead.pod. We have a TikTok channel that we have not used, but are very, very eager to potentially in the future think about using. And that's <laughs> at Bedwet Behead Pod. You can look for me and my art and my musings on Instagram at Karatemis or Hive also. Oh, Hive is at, oh yeah, I'm going to make a Hive with Karatemis. So in this near future and my website, karatemis.com. That's C-A-R-L-A-T-E-M-I-S.com. I mouthed it in a weird way in my mouth. <laughs> okay. Anyway, we'll scratch that. <laughs> Whoa, Aaron. I'm going to rewind that. <laughs> this is Aaron. You can still follow me on Twitter. All I do there is retweet podcast stuff pretty much, but that's E April Beauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod on Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one on Instagram where I've become a lot more active lately <laughs> at it's a fandom thing pod. Uh, we are on that hive thing. Um, I made two posts. I was going to make some other ones that I didn't do it, but I will. I will. And uh, Phantom Thing Pod. No, it's in that one. We are on TikTok. Still, the last thing that we posted that wasn't like a repost is the Magic Mike thing. So go to It's a Phantom Thing Pod and watch that TikTok. It's a joy. <laughs> It really is. Those dancers are so incredibly talented. <laughs> They're very talented. That's the only reason you should check it out. It's yes. strictly to support talent. Yes, yes. Not for other physical attributes. <laughs> no. <laughs> Respect. Nothing other than respecting talent. <laughs> Um, if you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, I am very respectful in my interviews. Uh, feel free to reach out to us via our website. It's a fandom thing pod.com. Click the contact us button there and that'll shoot us an email and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. And on our next episode, we're continuing our Christian effing bail month. Woohoo! <laughs> With a look at Christian's favorite movie he's ever made. 
Nazis. <laughs> Cannot wait. <laughs> yes, we, we know this isn't your favorite movie, Christian. Don't worry. <laughs> so until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black Lives Matter and Stop Asian Hate. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, are you a super fan of Taylor Swift, Jelly Roll, or Morgan Wallen? Are you that song nerd who likes to dive into every little lyric of every little song and figure out what everything means? Do you want to take that a bit further, though? Because I have a podcast called Songwriter Soup, and it dives into the journey of a songwriter and how those people help craft the soundtrack of your life. I'm Laura Veltz, and I'm bringing all of my friends together to discuss our funny little job writing for all of your favorite artists. Listen to Songwriter Soup wherever you get your podcasts.